Thanks for listening to the Culture Proof Podcast. We really do appreciate it. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And today, I've been wanting to have this conversation for a very yes. long time. Yes. I love Bible prophecy, and I kind of thought that that dated me because I thought it was important. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was something we needed to talk about. Um, I'm guilty of every Saturday uh, trying to get my download of Jan Markell, Understanding the Times, <laughs> guilty, oh, yeah. and listening to it with our kids, like just to make sure that they have wow. a, a well-rounded understanding of of where we live and mm. what God intends for where Amen. we live. I think Amen. it's so important. And so joining mm-hmm. us today to help us talk about Bible prophecy is Todd Hampson. And one of the things that I appreciate is I was introduced to Todd actually listening to Jan Markell's program yes. and learned about Prophecy Pros that you co-host with Jeff Kinley. And <laughs> oh my goodness, just couldn't get enough. And one of the things that I really appreciated about it, Todd, um, in addition to being an author and an illustrator, is you guys have one of the most conversational ways mm. of unpacking Bible prophecy that I have ever heard. Like, it, it just seems like wow. two buddies sitting around <laughs> unpacking these eternal truths of God's word. And it's just like <laughs> blow after blow, but it feels like you're eating chips. Like you're just, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so when the seventh seal is open, crunch, crunch, crunch. It's like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, go back to the sixth seal, like you know. Uh-huh. And so, anyway, I just really appreciate it. So, thank you so much for joining us, Todd. Oh, Will and Mickey, it is a pleasure. I've been really looking forward to this. So, you know, I, I, I do these whenever I can, and and some people, I'm just really looking forward to jumping on with them. And I love your ministry, love what you're doing, and I was really excited to connect with you and uh, look forward to talking about God's word today. So I really appreciate your testimony, Todd, when I've heard you share your testimony and then how that even kind of branched off into your interest in Bible prophecy. Can you share a little bit of that background with our listeners? And then maybe we can kind of Mm -hmm. go right into Bible prophecy. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, I, I grew up completely unchurched. I mean, had a, you know, decent childhood, not, not complaining about anything, but just didn't have that Christian influence at all. I believed the Bible was a, a book of fairy tales. I believed in evolution, a whole nine yards. And then uh, when I was in the eighth grade, the Lord orchestrated some strange events that wound us up at a Christian uh, Bible teaching school. And so I started hearing the gospel for the first time in the eighth grade. So when I was 13 years old, I had all these big questions. You know, I was trying to formulate my belief system. And like I said, I believe the Bible is full of fairy tales. Uh, but as the Lord would have it, and we'll get into my background here, I'm an, I'm an artist and an animator. So my, mm. my art teacher was also my Bible teacher, uh, <laughs> just by coincidence. I don't believe in coincidence. So mm-hmm. the Lord lined that up and, uh, he really, he knew I was that unchurched kid. So he catered the entire Bible class to trying to reach me. So long story short, um, I started understanding the gospel, but I still couldn't make that leap of faith in my mind to believe a book of fairy tales until I was shown several examples of fulfilled Bible prophecy. And that's really what got my attention to at least consider the claims of Christ when I saw that, okay, only a God who's outside of time or somebody supernatural could predict the future with this level of accuracy and have it fulfilled hundreds or in some cases thousands of years in advance. That got my attention as a a convincing apologetic to at least consider the claims of Christ. And that eventually led to to my salvation a few months later. So. Mm. 
It was huge. Yeah. That's amazing that um, one of the things that we fear the most in Christianity, you know, Bible prophecy and end times Mm -hmm. is the very thing that the Lord used to draw you into the family of God. I think that is so important. And I think that's actually a great place for us to start, because one of the questions that I often have is how has Bible prophecy kind of, you know, I don't know if you can say gone out of vogue. I know things can be Mm -hmm. in vogue, but, you know, like, how is it that we've turned our back on Bible prophecy? prophecy. Sure. I think, you know, first of all, let's own the fact that we understand there are some legitimate reasons. Um, Some people are sensationalizing it too much, picking dates. There's a guy that had a book called uh, 88 Reasons the Lord's going to return in 1988. Mm. Obviously that didn't happen. So he wrote another book, 89 Reasons the Lord's going to return in 1989. So we have a 0% uh, accuracy rate on predicting when the Lord's going to return. And he said, no man knows the day or the hour. We, we can know the season. We can see the trends uh, forming and that kind of thing, but no man knows the day or the hour. So you got sensationalism on one hand and also, you know, bright lights attract strange bugs. Some mm. people got a little bit into some of the weird stuff and real peripheral issues. And actually there, there's some of that happening today. Um, so there are, that and also pastors, I'm sure, were tired of getting crazy questions from people. And, and, and honestly, uh, a lot of seminaries stopped teaching eschatology. Mm. Um, so there, there's a variety of reasons. But I, I think the, the main underlying reason is uh, the enemy had a long laid plan to get people's eyes off of Bible prophecy. Mm. Uh, and as, as we'll get into in, in this discussion, he, he's gutted. He wants to get people's eyes off of Genesis and wants to get people's eyes off of Revelation because mm. he doesn't want us learning about our glorious future and his demise. Yeah. So mm. I think there is a major spiritual warfare component to wow. it, um, along with some of those legitimate reasons. Um, so, I, so I think so I try not to come down too hard on people that don't that think, oh, we shouldn't really dabble in it. Uh, but on the other hand, all scriptures God breathe. Amen. And we're told to preach the whole counsel of God. Amen. So if we're going to thoroughly equip people, those of us who teach teach uh, theology, we've got to be willing to teach everything from yeah. Genesis one to the last last page in Revelation. So yeah, yeah, and I think it is a spiritual thing because um, prophecy for the believer it's a great encouragement. Amen. You know, mm-hmm. we see the things unfolding. You know, and and there's this temptation to want to make it fearful, like oh, it's spooky. Oh, this you don't want to mess with yeah. that. Touch touch this, but. <laughs> It's, it's an encouragement for the body of Christ to know that what God has said is true and we can see it unfolding, yes, you know? Absolutely. And so I, I think it is a spiritual attack by the enemy that the body of Christ would not be encouraged in that way. Yeah. How do we get to yeah. the place where it becomes an encouragement, though, Todd? Like, I think sometimes people back question. away from it because it is scary. We're talking <laughs> about the end of all things and, you know, that can be frightening. So how do we get to the encouraging part? That's a great question and another understandable one. Yeah, if somebody drops right into Revelation chapter 6 or in the second set of judgments with the demonic locusts and all this other crazy stuff, it's going to scare anybody. Um, but we all, Jeff and I often say, you know, if, if, if people are getting scared by how you're teaching Bible prophecy, you're teaching it wrong. Because mm. uh, really it's, it's, it's supposed to have a built-in hope capacity. Right. You, know? Um, you know, Jesus even has a promise in, in uh, Revelation that those who listen and read these words will be blessed, you know, so many things. So really the focus for the believer is God's going to tie up all the loose ends. I often say it's like a, you know, the end of a movie, nobody goes to a movie and then walks out before the ending. Mm. And this is just the, 
the necessary drama that happens at the end, mm. but ultimately it leads to complete beauty and a perfect future for believers. And in the midst of even the crazy stuff, grace is there. The the up until they take the mark of the beast, and that's a whole nother discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, grace is there. The salvation's there. There's even an, a gospel angel during the tribulation period that literally flies to every single person on earth, every tribe, nation, tongue, and language, every single person to make sure they've heard the gospel. So it's really God's last ditch effort to present the gospel before he has to set everything straight and take us into heaven. Man, that is beautiful. And that is encouraging. You know, speaking of, um, the flyover, let's, let's do a flyover of sort of end times prophecy, right? Like kind of pull back just a little bit, because I think that, mm-hmm. like you say, if we start in revelation, but one of the ways that we are immensely encouraged is to see Bible prophecy fulfilled in the old Testament, to see those shadows and types that point to the grace and the mercy of God. And even to build our confidence that he's already fulfilled these prophecies. He said that he would do this yeah. and he did it. And then there are more prophecies prophecies outstanding. Can you give us sort of like a bird's eye view of Bible prophecy? I know this is what you guys do. Yeah, sure thing. I'll, I'll, I'll kind of tie in prophecy in general and eschatology as well. But um, in my book, The Chronological Guide to Bible Prophecy, one of the reasons I wrote that was because I wanted to show, oh, prophecy is not just in Revelation or Daniel, but it's literally in every single, yeah, there it is. <laughs> it's in Every single book of the Bible, uh, except for Third uh, John and Philemon, which are single page chapters, and they're not even about wow. Bible prophecy. Uh, so in other words, and people, most believers today don't even realize that, that you cannot flip through your Bible without there being prophecy on almost every single page. Mm. Uh, here's a couple statistics that kind of back that up uh, when it comes to the second coming as well. We're, we know the importance of the first coming of Christ, but for every... Um, account of the first coming, there's eight more verses about the second coming. So there's an eight to one ratio about the second coming of Christ. (laughs) There's uh, 1,845 references to the second coming and 318 of those are in the New Testament. Hmm. 17 books in the Old Testament uh, and 23 in the New, 23 of the 27 in the New Testament all talk about the second coming, not just prophecy, but specifically the second coming. Um, in the New Testament, one out of every 30 verses referenced is, a, is to the, the second coming. In other words, you can't get away from it. It's, it's the second biggest theme that Jesus talked to, second to salvation itself. So if you're going by quantity in terms of what Jesus spoke about, salvation is number one. His return as conquering king to set everything straight is number two. Uh, so it's something that every believer should should get a hold of and should understand and study. And honestly, those that we bump into all over the country that do study it, especially for the first time, they're surprised that they're actually encouraged and find hope and joy and confidence. And finally, what they're seeing in the world makes sense to them for the mm. first time in their lives. So as we listen to that and we think about Bible prophecy and how important <clears throat> prophecy is to God's word, transitioning into talking about end times, how how do mm-hmm. we, again, draw encouragement from what is outstanding and not live in fear of what will mm-hmm. come upon the earth? Yeah, that's a good question. And it, there are different views on the timing of different things uh, when it comes to end times Bible prophecy. Uh, so it's not an issue that I would ever divide, you know, fellowship yeah. with someone about. Uh, I may not invite them to come speak at my conference. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Because I believe that the 
Bible is crystal clear that yeah. there's a pre-tribulation rapture, meaning mm. the rapture happens prior to all that crazy stuff. <laughs> yes. There's a, mm -hmm. there's a distinct seven-year period, the 70th week of Daniel 9. We learn of it first in chapter 9 of the book of Daniel. Uh, but there, there's a seven-year seven period of judgment coming. But uh, And I go over this in several of my books and, and, and blog posts and podcasts that there's so many reasons to believe the crystal clear statements that we're not appointed to wrath, that, you know, the, the rapture could happen at any moment. Mm -hmm. the, the only way that's possible is for a pre-tribulation rapture because it's a signless event. It could happen right now in the middle of this recording. Mm -hmm. So let me, uh, let and, me, let me stop you right there, Todd, because I think that is so yeah. important. And, and when that gets pointed out, I don't think very many Christians realize that they had not, um, rightly understood the end times, right? Because when we talk about the catching up of the saints, we talk about the rapture, that is a signless event. So kind of talk yeah. about how that is different from the second coming. We kind of lump those together often when we talk about it. Mm -hmm. That's a great question. And I often point out with this type of question, um, like people say, well, we, there's two parts to his second coming. And I sometimes you got to remind people there were two parts to his first coming. You know, mm. you first read about the baby in the manger and everything surrounding that. And then you read about, you know, the passion of Christ, his death, burial and resurrection. So there's two key moments to that as well. Uh, but yes, when you look at the, and this is where studying the Bible for yourself um, and really looking at the details of Bible prophecy helps tremendously because you can see he's clearly talking about two separate events. One is a signless event that can happen at any moment where Jesus comes to the air and we're caught up to meet him. Then there's another one that's preceded by uh, 21 specific judgments and a whole bunch of other stuff where Jesus comes down with a, a armies behind him, which is us, by the way, us and the angels, hmm. kind of weird, like the Chronicles of Narnia kind of moment. <laughs> but, but we return with him um, and he and he actually touches, his, we read in the Old Testament, he touches his foot down on the Mount of Olives, just like in Acts, Acts hmm. 1 when he said, you're looking, you're staring into heaven. This same Jesus is going to return in the same Amen. way. He's going to touch down at the same spot. So, so looking at the details is very, very important. And another thing I'll say is because of what you mentioned the past, I'd say 20 or 30 years where people have drifted away from prophecy. Part of that one good aspect is they want to, Hey, we want to have unity in the body of Christ. There's different views. We don't want to fight over it, mm -hmm. which I agree with hundred percent, but you still have to land somewhere. Yeah. Uh, but what, but what most people have done has just, have just accepted the lowest common denominator that Jesus comes in the end and we win and we go to heaven. Well, mm -hmm. if, if that's all he wanted us to know, he could have said that in one sentence, but mm. he gave us an entire book telling us, uh, that ties up all the loose ends and tells us exactly how it's going to happen. So it, it's up to us to, that's why it's called Bible study, right? We roll Amen. up our sleeves and we study the Bible. Yeah. We don't just, you know, take uh, basic 101 elementary views of stuff. As as adults and as mature believers, we need to really dig in and study God's word for, word for ourselves. And I've found, and I, the testimony of every person we talk to when we go to these pop-up conferences and things, is that when they study it for themselves, all of a sudden, the Bible just comes to life to them like mm. never before. I'm wondering if you have any thoughts on how, because I just will say just, and this is a personal experience kind of thing. Mm. Um, when I was growing up and when I heard about Bible prophecy, even as a high schooler, as a young adult, I only heard about a pre-trib rapture. 
Like that's, that's Mm -hmm. all I was taught. And I don't know where I was introduced to people saying that is a delusion, but then I couldn't unhear it. Like I couldn't unsee it. It was everywhere. Was this, has there always been this divide or did it become more pronounced at a certain time period? And if so, what happened? Yeah, sure thing. Yeah. When you, when you study, and this is a really interesting study, when you study what the church has believed in different eras, Mm and why they believe that in different eras it really does kind of shed light on it like for example the the early church when you study it they they believed in what what's called ancient pre-tribulationalism in other words they believed in the imminent imminency of the rapture that it could happen at any moment but they didn't have all the details worked out they didn't systematize it like we do now because we didn't even have universities until the enlightenment period you know it was and in the first century they were literally trying to survive they were being persecuted and martyred first through third centuries so they were focusing on on other things. Then you get into the medieval period, like the 300s to Martin Luther's time, and the, the Catholic Church um, kind of owned the, the, that space, so to speak. And they believed they 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 adopted uh, a, a belief that was an allegorical system from Saint Augustine in the 300s mm. that said, even though we believe everything else literally, you know, G, everything Jesus said he's doing did literally fulfilled prophecies, fulfilled literally. Jesus hasn't come back yet, so it must be allegorical. He must not have really meant he's coming, or especially that he's coming soon, which really means he's coming quickly. When he when he comes, it's going to be fast. Um, so they adopted this allegorical method, which was, like I said, until the 1500s. Then the Reformation Church returned to a literal understanding of Scripture when it comes to salvation, but then things went crazy. They were They were trying to survive. There are so many uh, upheavals during that time period because of the split, because of the Protestant Reformation, they didn't carry that hermeneutic or that that literal view into eschatology, and they disliked the Roman Catholic Church so much that they just saw that they they've got to be it. This is it, you know. So they kind of had blinders on. Um, and then it wasn't until the you know after universities came about and and seminaries came in that there was this um, push towards a literal hermeneutic, and part of that was the belief that uh, like every Old Testament prophet, except for Jonah said, said specifically that Israel would become a nation again in the last days. So people started saying, well, maybe that's literal because all the fulfilled prophecies are literal. So kind of around the 1700s and and into the 1800s is when it really got systematized and when it started to be taught. And, and actually I would say most evangelical churches um, in the last century, especially the latter half, believed in a pre-trib rapture. Mm-hmm. And then some of the bigger denominations, the the old school, you know, the uh, um, different, different uh, I'm blanking on what you call them, but like um, the Church of England and stuff like mm-hmm. that, they still kind of held to that allegorical view. A lot of the denominations that came out of the Reformation still held that allegorical view. But Christian evangelicals, by and large, the, the main view was, was pre-trib. Uh, up until you had all these voices starting to creep in. Um, and again, they're brothers and sisters in Christ. There's yeah. a there's a gentleman who, uh, well, I, I love everything else he does, but he's hardcore on post-trib and, and honestly kind of militant about it, <laughs> um, to, to, be, to say it nicely. But I, I, I think they're wrong. You know, no other way to say it. They're brothers in Christ. I love them. I, I'd, I'd go out to dinner with them. I'd hang out with them. Sure. But I think they're wrong when it comes to eschatology. I think the Bible is so clear that it's a pre-trib rapture and yeah. then all the other stuff happens. So, and I, I highlight reasons for that in all my books. 
And you know, as far as the imminent return of Christ, yes. it even seems that when we read the, the scriptures that the apostles taught in that way, that yes. it could be uh-huh. <laughs> at any point now. And, you know, so back then they were, they the way that they, they talked about it was like, yeah, he, mm-hmm. he's coming back soon. Like, mm-hmm. you, you know, be ready. I mean, it doesn't get any yeah. more imminent than we who are alive and remain. Yeah, I was going to say Paul himself in, in 1st S4. Yeah. He thought it was going to happen in his lifetime. I mean, like, right. Yeah. We who are alive and remain will be caught up. So, yeah. and, and, that's, and, and I'm glad you highlight that because there really is a pretty large movement right now literally saying the rapture is not taught in the Bible and, um, and all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah. They call it a secret rapture or a, or a new doctrine. No, it, the ancient church believed in the imminence of the rapture. It could happen at any moment. So yeah. uh, I'm not, I'm not sure why they're, they're so stuck there other than, you know, there's, a, there maybe have been a few prominent teachers who are very eloquent and very knowledgeable in other areas of theology that they just kind of take their word for it because they respect them so much. Um, yeah. that, that happens a lot, actually people, instead of digging in, they, they respect someone and maybe everything else they teach is great, but they come to this one issue and they're, they're dogmatic that, yes. you know, pre-trib is wrong. And they just kind of go with that because they respect that teacher. You know, it's funny in the conversations that I've had with people about that topic, a lot of them say uh, it's because they don't believe uh, in pre-trib because they, they believe people who believe that way are escapists. Oh, I was going to bring that up. You know, I'm, I'm so and glad you, you don't want to go through any trouble. Well, we will have struggle. Like it's like a, a thing of you're trying to escape the bad stuff, but we're going to go through that stuff as well. And so that's right. been one of the mindsets like, you know, well, you guys are escapists for, for believing that. Right. Can you address that, Todd? Sign sign me up. Get me out of here. I don't want to experience that stuff. (laughs) But the real issue is not whether I want to escape. The real issue is what does God's word say? Mm. That's where our authority is. So it it doesn't matter what I think. And just to be clear, we we will face tribulation. We we face everything. There are Christians right now being martyred. Yes, come on. I mean, there's probably Christians right now being held as captives in, in Gaza. Mm. And who knows yeah. what's happening to them or yes. what's happened to them. So it's not that we can avoid tribulation, but there's a huge difference between general tribulation that we all experience or that believers experience being persecuted mm-hmm. and the tribulation, mm. which from the Old Testament to new is God's active wrath on earth yeah. to to judge evil and, and tie up all the loose ends. You know, so it's they're, they're two completely different things. I think maybe some people get tripped up by that. You know, is um, it? But, is, but I'm sorry, Todd. Go ahead. Finish your thought. No, I was just gonna say. But the the real bottom line is, it doesn't matter what we think. It matters what God's word says. Amen. 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 Yep. I just want to wonder out loud, like when we talk about the efficacy of Christ, that we say the wrath of God was poured out on Christ, that He suffered in our yep. place, and then we turn around and we say, but we will also we will endure the wrath of God. It almost seems like a disconnect between what Jesus did and what the wrath of God really is. Like, how do we understand that? Yeah. Yeah. If if it's part, if we have to, I've heard two arguments. One, we have to, we have to pay for some of our sins. Well, then what did Jesus come to the cross? (laughs) Wow. That's the whole purpose of of salvation of him coming to the cross was so that we we can't work for it. So I think there's an element of, people still want to kind of be holy and work for something themselves or, or, or have some of it left up to them. And the other thing is we're called the bride of Christ, you know, and I've heard people say, well, the, the bride has to be purified. What, what, what are you talking about? So you pur- purify the bride, what loving husband sends his bride 
to the alley to get beat up for seven years mm. so she can be purified and be good enough right. to, Man. to be married to him. When it's talking about the, you know, the bride is pure, we're pure because his righteousness is imputed to us. It's mm-hmm. given to us. We're not perfect by any means. We, we want to live for him. We want to please him. We want to be ready for the rapture. But there's nothing in scripture that says we need to be purified in order to meet him. It's just, it's not in the Bible. Would you go so far, Todd, as to say that those who um, deny, well, maybe not deny, let me let me choose my words wisely here. <laughs> those who um, resist talking about end times, would you say that there is almost sort of a practical scoffing that is happening with them, that maybe there's like a they are denying that this is reality or do you think it's just uncomfortable and maybe it's more innocent than I'm thinking? Uh, That's a great question. I think for some people that may be the case. I mean, second Peter three does talk about scoffing and three things in particular creation, the flood and the Lord's return and everything that happens at the end, the new heavens and the new earth. But I tell you what, if you can believe Genesis one, one, nothing else in the Bible should be hard for you to believe. Um, So, but I think there is an element of that is that, you know, and, and they may be believers, but when it comes to uh, Bible prophecy and 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 these amazing things that God promised is going to happen, actually happening, we become prophecy agnostics. Yeah, I kind of think that's going to happen, but, you know, I'll just leave that up to the Lord. Well, no, he put it there for us to study and know and to be blessed from. Like I said, uh, Revelation 1-3, there's a specific promise for anybody who reads those words and applies them. So, uh, it's right there in scripture. So yeah, I think there's some of that. People are a, a bit agnostic towards it, even as believers. I want to encourage our no. listeners here in the in the last we got five minutes left in this in this podcast. I want to encourage our listeners to check out your website. They can go to toddhampson.com. And also while they are there, learn about all of the resources that you have available. <laughs> I want to say I may have gotten a little bit carried of there's some over there in front of Will. There are tons <laughs> of books and they are engaging. And oh my goodness, like you, if you're looking for where to start, I would say check out Todd Hampson's books and 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 dive in. And there are other resources there. You guys host a conference. Do you want to tell our listeners just a little bit about your conference? Yeah, we do. Well, we've got two things going on. One are the pop-up conferences where we will come to a church wherever you're at and do a one day conference. Um, and then there's another one that we're doing. It's, uh, it's the, it's going to be on January 6th and registration opens on, uh, the first, actually this Wednesday, I'm not sure when this airs, but so November 1st registration officially opens up for it. And it's called a pop in conference where we literally pop in through your screen and Jeff and I do a mini conference and it's specifically about how to discover your calling and how to, how to leverage what we're seeing in the world to point people to Christ and for us to know what to do at this time. So we're mm. really excited about that. Both of those, they can go to my website and link over or just go to uh, theprophecypros.com and there's an events tab there. We'll make sure to awesome. put links to your websites yes. in the show notes. So everybody who's listening, you can awesome. just scroll down and find all of that information. In the time that we have left, um, let's turn our attention to Israel. This is one of those things where there are people who can get really weird about what's happening. And it almost makes you kind of nervous because they have this nervous energy. It's like, ooh, like something's going on. You know what I mean? And so how do we process what is happening in Israel right now in light of Scripture? Yeah, that's and that's the key phrase right there in light of Scripture. We People, it's funny how I see people on the news and stuff like that trying to figure out what the solution is and how to get peace in the Middle East. Scripture is clear. There will be no peace in the Middle East until Jesus is ruling and reigning from Jerusalem. 
Um, and there's a, what they also don't realize is there really is an end times anti-Semitism that's satanically driven because of end time Bible prophecy. That all sounds crazy if you've never studied it before, but that that's what scripture teaches. God in, in, in Daniel 9 that we mentioned earlier, uh, he said there's 70 weeks of 70, 70, 70 weeks of years. So 490 years for your people, Daniel. So God has a plan for the Jewish people mm. and there's a break in that. And then there's a final seven years. Really the, the purpose of the seven year tribulation, the main purpose is for God to win the Jewish people. So they will finally see that he's their Messiah. And Zechariah says they will look on the one they pierced and they'll mourn for him like, like an only son. So they'll, they'll realize finally he's their Messiah. Um, so there's that component to it. Uh, and Ezekiel even hints at the fact that they'll come into their land in unbelief. And at a later time, they'll corporately believe. Um, mm. So that's not to say there aren't any Jewish believers. There are. Uh, and they everyone has to accept Christ to be saved. Um, but that's another major component to uh, a literal interpretation method that God God's promises to the Jewish people, Paul even says, are unconditional, irrevocable. Uh, he even says in, in Romans chapter 11, one day all Israel will be saved. So the Abrahamic promise and mm. the Davidic uh, covenant are unconditional. You know, they, there's no expiration date and it's not up to how the Jewish people act. It's all based on God's plans and God's prophecy. You know, I think one of the ways that, well, one of the reasons it's difficult for us to process or even conceptualize what's happening with Israel and even God's plan is because of some, um, I was going to say faulty, but I think that's far too kind, just bad theology where we have mm -hmm. been taught that we've replaced Israel. Mm -hmm. um, the yeah. Apostle Paul didn't believe this. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, that, that is a, a large segment of um, denominations teach replacement theology, that the church has replaced Israel and that all of the promises to Israel are now conferred on the church. Um, but like I said, those promises that he gave to Israel were unconditional. He even said, I'm not going to end these promises unless the sun or the moon stop their circuit. So until mm. Christ is the light, he's going he's gonna to fulfill those promises. Um, but sadly, cause then, then what are we to believe as believers? Okay. He, he promised them something, but then he kind of broke his promise. So how do we know he's going to keep his promises to us? Uh, but the biggest thing is it, it, it changes hermeneutics. So they mm -hmm. believe in a literal interpretation uh, method for everything else. But when it comes to the church, suddenly it's an allegorical thing mm -hmm. where yeah. the, the old Testament promises <laughs> to Israel are reinterpreted through what Christ did on the cross and the church age. Um, I have a friend who does a, a thing where he holds up a Bible. Uh, if I had one close to me, I'd grab it. But he holds up just the New Testament and like 90% of the rest of the book is hanging down. He goes, this is church history. The rest of this is all Jewish. Mm. So don't, we can't get prideful. Paul said we're grafted in. Amen. Because, Amen. Of their, right. because of their disobedience, we were blessed to be able to get in on the game, so to speak, wow. you know. Yeah, you know, this is one of the things that I know we're going to do a part two where we're going to specifically look at how we teach Bible prophecy to our children. But for us as parents, this is something that is so important mm -hmm. to us that that our kids would understand when you go back and, and you're reading scripture, you're looking at the first century church, you're looking at nearly 100 percent of that church being Jewish. You're, you're looking at mm -hmm. the the burden, right, that was born there. You're, you're looking at the proliferation of the gospel and you've got the Apostle Paul who is sent as an apostle to the Gentiles. This is is not a disregard for the Jewish people, but this is the Lord mm -hmm. fulfilling all of his promises, right? That yeah. through Abraham, yeah. all nations of the earth will be blessed. And so we can see that happening right now. We can rejoice. We can teach our kids to, mm -hmm. um, to trust the faithfulness of the Lord. One last question here. 
how do we as mature believers look at Israel? How do we pray rightly mm-hmm. during this time right now, knowing that there is suffering? Yeah. And I don't mean this to sound like equivocating at all, but there is suffering on both sides. We understand what provocation yeah. looks like and we understand war, but how do we biblically respond in a way that glorifies God? Yeah, that's a great that's a great way to, to pose it because there are innocent lives on both sides that are being affected. Yeah. That, that's no fault of their own. Um, it's we have to look at it um, biblically, like I said, that the, the Jewish people, that is their land. Biblically, mm-hmm. they're given that land in the mm-hmm. Old Testament and all future prophecy relies on the Jewish people being in that land. And obviously we saw that they're just responding to being attacked, just like when we were attacked on 9-11, we, ha- we had to take care of business. Yeah. Yes. So, it, so we just need to look at it on a practical level when it comes to that stuff. Of course, there's some biblical and prophetic implications, trends heading towards stuff, but from a just geopolitical thing, I think I say we pray, do what the Bible says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray for the Jewish people. We pray that God would be glorified somehow in this mess. And that maybe a lot of people would accept the Lord because they're realizing this world is wrecked. There's something (laughs) wrong here. Maybe there's a Messiah who's going to come one day and set it all right. Um, And, and we need to support ministries that, that meet all the needs. You know, I think of Samaritan's purse who, if somebody had a need who was a Palestinian, they they would help them. If somebody's, you know, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter to them. They're all all loved by God. But at the same time, Israel has 100% a right to defend itself yeah. and destroy the terrorists that did what they did and make sure that doesn't happen again. Yeah, um, absolutely. So it's a, it's, a, it, it's a complex issue, but in one way, it's kind of a simple issue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One, yeah. One, one last observation, just back to what you were saying about the replacement uh, theology mm-hmm. you have that happening in the church you have even this sect of like hebrew israelites and and, and, and black hebrew israelites yeah. and things like that and then you see what you see around uh the country these protests i just don't remember you know as i was growing up you know such anti-israel sentiment yeah and, the, and yeah. the thing is you know people would say like man how will all the nations be against israel but I can see how, see you know, mm-hmm. even the United States will have that position. And growing up in church, man, we were always taught to pray for Israel. And yes. That, that you mm-hmm. know, those who did well and to pray for Israel, mm-hmm. you know, blessings would be upon, um, upon yeah, them. Right. And so, but it mm-hmm. has changed so much now. You see it, the, these different teachings growing even in the country. And it's, it's pretty sad. Yeah, it is. And the Bible says there'll be heresy in the last days, a falling away. Yeah. Uh, you know, people trying to deceive with doctrines of demons. We're seeing all of that yeah. in our yeah. day. So yeah. it's crazy. So I want to uh, remind our listeners that they can go to ToddHampson.com, ToddHampson.com, or theprophecypros.com, theprophecypros.com. We are going to do a part two, and we're going to specifically look at equipping families to talk to their kids about prophecy, something that's near and dear to us. Um, We want to encourage our listeners all the time to resist the cultural trends that rival the truth, resist those trends. And when you do, you remain culture-proof. Until next time, Lord willing. God bless. 